Hey everybody, Jeff here. Just real quick, for the next three months, we will be airing a new episode of Home on the RNG every Monday in an attempt to shorten our backlog to something more reasonable. Uh, in addition, by the time that three-month period is done, you will no longer have to hear what Russ has called the whoops-a-doodle intro. So there's that to look forward to. Thank you for listening. Hi everyone, this is Jeff. And this is Russ. When we first started Home on the RNG, we began it as a series of videos, and we produced quite a few before we realized it really works better as a podcast. Whoops-a-doodle. So we apologize if any of these early episodes have any visually heavy references that don't transfer to the audio medium. Whoops-a-doodle. Thanks for listening. Well, that's because you're sitting crisscross on a couch, which is weird. This is, this is, I have problems. Yes. Yes, you do. I have back problems. That's because I'm 400 years old. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and again, I want to apologize if I'm coughing through some of this review. I'm still having the allergy thing. Allergies. Allergies. <coughs> well, now I have malaria. So my, anyway. my apologies to anyone that has malaria. I'm not trying to be offensive. <laughs> Welcome to our review of Skies of Arcadia oh, Legends. Oh, yes. I'm um, so excited. Just in case you don't know, Skies of Arcadia Legends is a GameCube remake of a game for the Dreamcast, simply called Skies of Arcadia. Yeah. Um, I never owned a Dreamcast, so when it came time a, to try and get a copy... retrospect was a great decision. <laughs> When it came time to... I wanted to review this game for a show, but it was hard to get even an emulator of Dreamcast working. Uh, so, in the end, we did settle on the GameCube because it was easier for us to find copies to play for the review. That's why we're doing Skies of Arcadia Legends instead of the original. Uh, there shouldn't be too many differences. I believe the music is different, and how some of the mini-games work is a little different. Right, and... The, and there's improved things. What I hear is the the random battles were like absurd. Fewer random in battles in this remake, but higher experience right. for them, I believe. Which is a much more streamlined experience. Yeah. So, without further ado, let's dive into personal history. So I have kind of an interesting depending on your definition of the word, interesting story um, about my personal history. So this is one of the rare games that we play that I actually have not played before. Um, but I do remember, and I don't know why I remember this, being in a GameStop 12, 13, 14 years ago, um, and being in the GameCube section and trying to choose between Skies of Arcadia and Tales of Symphonia. And I love Tales of Symphonia. I love the Tales series, and Symphonia was my introduction into that series. But it meant that on that particular day, when I was 20 years old or whatever, um, I chose Tales of Symphonia over Skies of Arcadia and never played it. Um, which now I know was a, was a great loss for me as a young man. <laughs> Um, I still enjoy Symphonia, but I, I did pick that over Skies of Arcadia, and there's some weird part of me that just feels really sad about that. Um, but it was fun experiencing this game for the first time. I have very minimal personal experience with this game. Uh, I had just started dating a young lady, and she had this apartment full of guys, that friends of hers that she would hang out with, so we were hanging out over there. Just hanging, just wasting time, because when you're young, that's what you do with your time. Uh, and they were playing Skies of Arcadia. Uh, I was mainly focused on the young lady I was with, but I remember exactly one moment of this game. Uh, and it was the character, I think his name is Gilder. 
uh, he's a bit of a ladies' man, and he had a quote that he thinks women are like sunsets, beautiful, unique, and there'll be a different one here tomorrow. I was like, okay, that, that quote stuck out. With, that was like, that's, that's some, I like that. That's decent writing. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the sentiment, women, but uh, I, I liked the, the writing of the character. And that's it. That's my entire Skies of Arcadia experience before I played it for this, is uh, one quote I saw when I wasn't obsessively staring at the young lady I was involved with at the time. So, there you go. <laughs> plot synopsis that I have written. Yay. Russ always enjoys these. I do, especially that Chrono Trigger one. That was just something else. When a group of good Sky Pirates find a mysterious woman, they also inquire the enmity of an evil empire. Discovering the empire is bent on world domination, our small handful of rogues decide to travel the world, acquiring mystical artifacts, always one step ahead of the empire, so that they might save the world. So we're talking about Star Wars today, right? Actually, I have that written in here also. The yeah. opening of this game is almost identical to Star it's Wars. Literally like the because New Hope. It is a big evil ship going through the sky, gunning at this little tiny ship carrying a princess. Yeah. The opening to this right. game is the opening to Star Wars. And the first big quest of the game is the opening quest to Fallout 2. <laughs> Which is, your village has been kidnapped and you have to go into the heart of evil to save them and bring them back home. Yeah, so, thank you George Lucas, I guess, for Skies of Arcadia. <clears throat> the setting for Skies of Arcadia is different than most JRPGs. In fact, different than any JRPG we've ever played before. Um, most of the JRPGs that we play have airships, or their equivalent. But this game is focused on the airships. Airships are a vital part of life because the gameplay takes place on the floating rocks in the sky. Mm -hmm. You almost want to think about it like how a gas giant works, where you can't actually get Science. down to the surface, but there are bands of atmosphere where the pressure is possible. So there's floating rocks in this atmosphere the continents are just floating in the sky. To get from one area to another, it's all skyships. Skyships, sky pirates, sky traders. Right. Which all work more like boats than they do actual ships. So yes. it goes with the, the pirate motif. Exactly. Yeah. So, in fact, considering there are seven moons around this world, I actually think it might be on a gas giant. Oh, interesting. I don't know that much about space. But I'll take your word for that. I think that the entire setting may actually be a gas giant, which is why they can't go further down to the, to the surface. Right. Because the pressure would crush them. Oh, okay. But they're floating in this, like, this is their livable range. Mm -hmm. And the pressure is such that it's able to keep some rocks alive. still new layers to this game. It's a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful game. But that's enough about the setting. It's magnificent. It's, and it's really a magnificent setting. It's, it's unique. Just, it's very unique. And, and the multiple moons and the fat and how each land or whatever you want to call it has is its so own culture different yeah. from the others and but yeah. more important than the setting Russ tell us about these characters well the main character is named Cupel no and <laughs> no it is not and he is adorable he is not the main character <laughs> he is a weapon used right. by one of the characters yes no the real main character is a young man named Vice or Vise. I think Vice. Vice. Because Vise is his -E. evil counterpart. Yes. But anyway. <laughs> evil. Vice is um, the main character, and he is a sky pirate. Um, he's a blue rogue. And the son of a sky pirate. And the son of a sky pirate. The, sky, the son of a famous sky pirate. Because you couldn't play as a 30-something-year-old man. You have to play as a 16-year-old boy. Trying to prove himself. Right. Yeah. And his 16-year-old best friend, Aika, who I love. I, I Aika also, is yes. wonderful. She's this rambunctious, red-headed With, girl. like, weird hair and spunky personality. Fights with a boomerang. I love a girl that fights with a boomerang. Well, Anyone that fights with a boomerang. Um, and they're besties. She maybe has a little bit of a crush on him. But one of my relief... I guess my relief in this game is there's not really a love story, even though your main characters are the 16-year-old dude and two 16-year-old girls. 
Yeah. It's not a love story, and the girls they don't even they don't even address it. it does, yeah. It's not even like unrequited love. Like right, we've got stuff to do. Yeah, maybe we can worry about romance yes, after. Yes, exactly. This. I'm like, thank you, thank you. And the girls get along. Uh, the other just, girl is Fiona. Yes, the she's other girl the princess is Fina. we mentioned. She's at the, the princess that was. Um, is it Fina? Fina. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Fina. You're not very good at names. Sometimes. I'm not. I'm. <laughs> It, it's because I'm such, I'm such Fiona an egomaniac that I don't really think about other people because yeah. I think about me. Yeah, but Fina is from is a Sylvite. She's from the kingdom that's under like the Silver Moon, um, and there's some special stuff that goes on with them, and there's reasons that they're trying to kidnap her. So Vice and Ica are the blue rogue pirates that rescue her um, from her ship as she's trying to get away. <clears throat> um, and the three of them travel together, and they're your they're your main three characters throughout the game. There are other characters. But your full party is four characters. Is four characters that you. There are three swap other out. characters that rotate out as the story goes right. on, and then at the end, you can actually pick which one of those three yeah. you want to be in your final party, which I liked. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. Like I first of all. I prefer it when a game gives you set party members and that cast changes as the game goes on. Think Final Fantasy IV as opposed to Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VI. Right. Because I find if you let me pick my party members, if you give me a list of 20 people, like here, pick four. I pick the same four right. every yeah. time and for the entire game. Whereas if you switch them out for me, if you make them change, then I get to experience the different personalities and skills and balances. So... I like that. I liked it too. And then at the end, it says, okay, now you've sampled these three extra party members. Which one do you want? Right. I like that. I like that the most. And I liked the extra party. Oh, I liked Gilder the best, obviously. Gilder is the ladies' man, <laughs> yeah. uh, debonair pirate of the sky, who's always trying to avoid the one woman who wants to marry him. <laughs> Which I know is like such a terrible sexist joke or something but, it but it's just, so cute i know I clara i loved clara so much she's so she knows she clara knows what she wants and, and that's what she's, I liked she gets her, her man i mean yeah. that's you know she's going to succeed he's right. always trying to avoid her she gets what she wants i like um, her and then there's drachma drachma's the old grizzled man. old man yeah with the arm cannon mm-hmm he was my, he's probably my least favorite. He's fine, but and Henri and Enrique, and he um he 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 was fun. The twist involving him was fun. So I liked Henri because he had that ability for very low cost. Well, we'll get into it in comedy. Was his name Henri or Enrique? Now I'm bad with the name. Well, I thought it was Henri because there wasn't an e at the end. Oh, okay. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. So. I thought of him as Henri, but it could be Henrique for Henrique. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, we don't know what we're talking about. He's a noble. About. He fights with a sword. A rapier. He's not as good as Gilder. He's a noble that fights with a rapier yeah. because he's super noble. Super noble. Yeah. Uh, and I liked the villains, too. I liked yeah. all of the different admirals of the different ships. So you're fighting the Valuan Empire, who wants to rule... Like world. all of these continents that are under all of the different moons, and there's a large, and there's like five admirals that control five. It's kind of like ships. the Shinra board in Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Like here's this large group of enemies that you will encounter in various ways, and uh, you actually do get to know the the villains pretty well. Right. They're they're yeah. well personified. You have multiple encounters with most of them. Not all of them are evil. Some of them are just like you know I'm doing my job. Some of them want to turn when they realize. Yeah, most how, of them actually get some kind of redemption yeah. at the end. Um, so, because they're they're more complex characters than just an evil villain. The villains have story arcs. Yeah. They have character and it's it's really really well done. Very well done. And then and then you have all of your shipmates. So you get to recruit ah, we'll get into that in okay. well, fair enough. Well they're characters. They are, but, but they're minor characters. very minor characters. But still, the, just the idea of doing that in that day and age. And and then of course there's Cupel. So we've gone back around what I started with. Cupel is um Fiona's weapon. And Fina's. I Fina. See, you got me doing it. Okay. Fina's weapon. Um <clears throat> I always love weird weapons in games and cute characters. 
And this is perfect. so cupel is perfect. Cupel is this little is cupel, and this is what I'm going to ask you: Is cupel supposed to be a looper? Loopers are like the <clears throat> are like the metal slimes of the game. Oh, yes. I, I and and they're these and then these cute little teardrop looking things. I can kind of see that. I assumed it was just a creature from the Silver Empire, okay. like a normal creature that's there that she's taken yeah. as a pet. Either way, he's this cute, he kind of looks like a little ghost. You said Looper, and I'm thinking, um, I, I don't remember Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this, <laughs> in this game. Oh, you missed that part. But anyway, Cupel's this little ghost-looking thing that's Fina's pet, and he transforms. There's like this series of different weapons. As you, you as you collect things to level him up. You, you collect chams, and you feed them to him. It's chams and some ch well, chimes. Chams will make chums. him regurgitate all chams. Yeah, but there's three of them. There's three types. Oh, there's the special chams. Yeah. There are special chams that let you skip, like, eating a whole set of chams. It's a very complicated system. It's a complicated system. system, but it's fun because Cupel's so cute. Yeah. And if you feed him all the chams that are in the game, then Fina becomes, like, the strongest character. <laughs> Even though she's supposed to be the mage. But, it, yeah, as you can see, I'm just gushing over the characters <laughs> because this was an amazing game, and I love the characters in it. Well, let's move on to another excellent part of this game, the combat system. Okay, I'd like to start out with a couple of minor things first before we really get into the meat of the combat yeah, system. Uh, the combat system, instead of being like on a menu, it's on a pirate ship wheel. You actually navigate the wheel to pick your options, which is kind of a nice That's, aesthetic. Yeah, I know. Uh, another very minor thing that I really like that stood out to me immediately is as the combat is happening, the party member you're not currently assigning to do something, they're all out there moving in the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Now, it's just for visuals. Your placement on the battlefield has no impact on your attacks. And they're fighting with the other enemies, which again has no impact on anybody's health. It's just for the look of the thing, but it makes the menu-driven combat system, turn-based combat, seem much less static. Yeah. It oh, feels definitely. it feels more real because there is movement happening while you're deciding what to do. Right. The fact that the movement doesn't matter helps because now you're not in a panic or a rush to pick what mm -hmm. am I going to do, but it does make it look a lot better. So I liked I, that I touch, yeah. and I I don't remember seeing that before. Usually, if your characters are no. have freedom of movement, it matters. I see. I've seen it in a couple of RPGs since, but not before this came out in what in 1999 or 2000 or whenever. So, for each character's turn, or no, for each combat round, mm -hmm. you build up something called SP, which are the special powers, right? Yeah. SP lets you use your special abilities. So, you have your HP, which is your health. You have your MP, which is your magic. And you have your SP, which is your special moves. To use magic, <laughs> this gets complicated. <laughs> Casting magic in battle always costs one MP. But the more powerful the spell, the more SP it costs. Right. Uh, some characters SP also... Is for like... I thought of it as, like, for actions that aren't just Attack. attacking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, S building your SP is very important. Uh, and Karen, you all share it. Yes, it is shared, it's by, the shared by the party. If you manage to max out the SP bar, you can unlock some really powerful attacks. Uh, and near the end of the game, it becomes almost essential to do that for some of the final battles. Um... I actually have written down, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab my notes here because this gets complicated. So when you complete a battle, you get XP. That's normal. You get experience points, which level up your character. But you also level up your magic. All of the weapons that you have, at any point, you can change the color of the weapon to match the various magic affinities. So you can be attacking with yellow for lightning or blue for wind or purple for ice you got like two of those right oh, you can <laughs> seriously purple for ice keep going blue for wind yellow for electricity red for fire green for health mainly or poison uh anyway there's five different colors seven 
Seven colors? How many colors are there? There's... Seven. Yes. Seven moons. There's seven. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a complex of, you know, a, a yellow weapon is stronger against a green enemy and that sort of thing that you can map out. But whatever color your weapon is, when you finish the combat, you get two magic points towards that. And then you get one magic point for every color that one of your party members has. And that's how you unlock new spells. So you're constantly kind of changing up who has what magic color on their weapon because, oh, I need more healing spells, or, oh, I want this person to have fire spells. So you're having to map that out and make sure that your characters grow their magic in the direction you want. Um, it, it sounds much more complicated than it becomes once you get into it. Yeah. Um, it's a lot, though. It is a lot. It's it's a lot, but it's fun. It's good. It's it's yes. For the complexities of the system, I enjoyed all of it. Like See, there was never a time that I thought, "Oh, that's tedious." Even though it might sound tedious in explanation, you never. I never got to the point that I'm like, "Oh, this is just tedious." If you've played the Tales games, especially the more recent ones, the Tales game have a very complex combat system. In fact, it's so complex that it's not fun for me. I just turn the game on auto, or mostly auto, and just let it do the combat. That like, was a, that was I'm a not startling learning. confession when you told me that. <laughs> you were shocked. <laughs> it's like, hmm, it's weird, but okay. I just, at a certain point, it becomes so complex that I'm like, you know what? Screw it. You've got this figured out. Just do it for me. Skies of Arcadia is not that complex. No. It takes a little bit to get used to figuring out how to get the most out of your SP and how to level up your magic, but it's not as complex as it sounds. But there's also, well, let me say this, the game is super nice about buffs and healing. Uh, buffs in particular always go first. If your party is buffing yourself, that person always goes first. The, the turn order is kind of random. Yeah. There really doesn't seem to be... There's no way for the game to tell you who's going to go next, but it does always let your... Like, if you're going to cast protection right. on right. the party, you go first. Thank and you. And comes in very helpful with um, Ica's... What's it called? Uh, Delta Shield? Delta Shield. And Delta Shield is an lifesaver late in the game. Later in the game, what you start doing is every combat, every turn... Delta Shield and Honor Shield. Honoree's Honor Shield. The Delta Shield cancels out all magical damage. The Honor Shield halves all physical damage. So for every yeah. boss fight, it's just like shield, shield, fight, build up SP. Right. That's my four party members. One fights, two shield, and one just wastes their turn to build up some SP yeah. for the party until I max out the SP yeah. and hit a super attack. That's but how did, all like, the yeah. boss combats win right. at the end. Right, right. And speaking of bosses, <laughs> one thing in the combat system I wanted to note, which is kind of a pet peeve of mine about a lot of RPGs, is that you get these, like, status effect spells, and they don't ever do anything, but in this game, you can really strategically use those oh, yeah. during a lot of the boss fight. In Notably, the final boss is you, uh, not immune to silence. Which is, I did you not I, know that? I think I missed that. Did you not know that? The final boss mostly uses magic attacks. But I was just can, delta shielding. Can be silenced. Nice. And I love that. And that's not the only boss that it works on. I mean, most of the main bosses. I don't think I even tried status effects on bosses. Yeah, and I learned to try that on like every boss because generally most of the late game bosses at least have like one status effect that works on them that completely turns the tide of the battle. Nice. And I thought that was a very interesting. Um, that's very different when you get, even in like Final Fantasy, you'll get, you know, you'll get stone and sleep and whatever. And never and use they them. never work on bosses, and they're only marginally effective on any random enemies. But this game, you can totally turn the tide of boss battles with but, status effects, which I loved. But there's a whole other type of battle we haven't even talked oh, about. Oh, I know. Yeah. Because you're in your airship. You're a pirate, a sky right. pirate. There are ship battles, ship battles, which have a completely different combat system. They are fought on a logical grid, where you plot out your next four moves, 
uh, your four, each of your four main party members get to do something. Mm -hmm. Are they going to attack? Are they going to build up SP? Are they going to cast magic? Are they going to heal? Are they going to use items? Are they going to call in a crew member? And you lay out what order or what turn they're going to do each action. Uh, certain cannons, for example, can be fired. You know, I want it to fire this turn, and then I want it to fire the next three turns as well, which costs more SP. Mm -hmm. But you can actually line it up so that you're hitting the enemy like four times in one turn if you plan all that stuff out. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And you also get to make decisions as those combats go on. Like, do you try to sneak up behind the enemy yeah. ship? Do you try to get in closer? And the decisions that you make in those moments affect the right. combat. Because in each turn, there's different symbols for like, this is a really good turn to attack. This is the only turn you can use your super weapon on. This is a turn where you're going to get hit. Mm -hmm. And the order of those symbols changes based on the decisions the game asks you to make. It, it's, it's really good. It's a lot yeah, of fun. It's really fun. There, there aren't as many of them as I would like, but they are really fun. Yeah. One I like when you get to use your crew members yes. in those battles. And that one, per, that one crew member in particular controls what drops you. Yeah. From monsters, too. Um, I was going to say something. And now it's gone. How, how about pow? Was I going to say pow? <laughs> pow the dog. I didn't get to talk about him in character. Go ahead and talk about pow the dog while I try to remember what I was going to say. I was just talking about crew members. One of the crew members that you can get is, a, is an adorable little purple dog named pow. And he's my favorite. He doesn't really do anything. You can summon him in battle for something, but he's really just there to be cute. And I love him. I remember when I was going to bring up combat-wise. Uh, there are... This was kind of going to be under innovations, and we'll mention it there, too. But there are side missions where you can hunt down... There are two types of sky pirates. Oh. The blue rogues, which are the good guys, and the black rogues, which are the really mean pirates. And you can hunt down the black rogues for as side quests for extra money and gear and all of that. Mm -hmm. And one thing that caught me by surprise with the game is I thought, you know what I'll do? These black rogue battles are pretty difficult. Why don't I wait till near the end of the game? <laughs> Sucker. And then I'll go and collect them all at once. Not all of the combats do this, but the black rogue, the side quests, scale to your level. The stronger you are, the harder they are. There is no easy way to beat them. They are always going to be difficult. Yeah. Uh, which I kind I, I wasn't even upset when it happened. I yeah. was like, oh, that's good. I get that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they've been, they've been out there, and they've been having adventures, yeah. too. They've been leveling up. I thought, I'll put off this combat until I've leveled up a bit. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's always difficult. They're, they're not just sitting at home waiting for the you. The only thing that changes is what special skills you have available. True. That can yeah. help. Mm -hmm. Um... So that's kind of the... Really, there's only two types of combat, but I'd put the Black Rogue scaling to your level as kind of almost yeah. a third type. And I like, because I've played RPGs where all enemies scale to your level, and typically I don't like that, but just having it for these specific... The bosses. Bosses, and in a way that it makes sense, because it makes you think, you know, they're, they're having their own adventures too, so they're not going to be weak, just because you've leveled up. So, yeah, I like that. Okay, are you ready to move on from Combat yes. System, which we've spent an hour and a half on? Well, this is a wonderful game. It is. So. To the even better topic of innovation. Uh, yeah. um, one thing this game has, kind of like Lunar, it actually has tiny spots of voice acting. It's not a whole lot of voice acting, but it's tiny spots of it. And this was, you know, before voice acting was the norm. Yes, exactly. And it helped you feel like the characters had a little bit more personality, a little mm -hmm. bit more character. But another thing that gives the characters a lot of personality is the wonderful facial expressions. This was, I mean, for a game of this age, this is, yeah, these characters are animated. They really know how to let you know. They really let you know how they're feeling. The the facial expressions the are faces. more on the level of like Lego. 
Like they yeah, have uh, like four uh -huh. different expressions, and their face just switches to that expression. Yeah. But it, it is very effective, it's as very limited very as, it, as it is, to conveying the emotion and adding context yeah. to the scene. I mean, thinking about like the Final Fantasies that were coming out during this time, where the characters were just, you know, just a blank yeah, face. Just a face. It just, it really, Ika especially, <laughs> just emo like emotes so much through the look on her face. And I really appreciated that. You know what it actually reminded me of was Chrono Trigger. And how Chrono Trigger does... Oh yeah, they had the, the physical the reactions. Yeah, the physical reactions, like all the different sprites for all kinds of different emotions that the characters were having. And it reminded me of that a little bit how just just looking at that face it's a it's a small touch exactly what's going on because again mind. it's not super it's not super realistic it's a small touch to just have like five or six facial expressions but it does make a huge difference yeah. in making the characters more realistic i mean for anyone that watches anime it's like watching an old sailor moon or something and like their face will just go wonky or whatever to let let you know that it's like a crazy moment also, throughout the game, you, your character has to make choices at key moments. And those choices matter. Yes. The, because if you make the right choice, you gain points towards your pirate level. Mm -hmm. And your pirate level controls the kinds of people you can uh, bring into your party, the kind of sub the side quests you get available to mm -hmm. you. Just the way people react to you yeah. sometimes. Like... If there's good rumors going on around about, you know, about you, then somebody will be nice. But if you're, like, a loser, like a scaredy cat that runs from every battle... And... Yes, running from battle also affects your pirate points. Yeah. And you never... You don't really get to see your pirate points, but you do get to see when your title changes. Mm -hmm. As you level up through the points, you, you go from, like, noob to, yeah. you know, legend of the sky or something. Yeah, you can be vice the legend. Yeah. And that's, like, the biggest... I've reached legend status. Done everything. Yeah. Well, speaking of doing everything, by the way, and I gotta get this for this because <laughs> there is so much in this game to collect and find, right? There are moonfish that you can hunt that are only visible through first person point of view and can only be captured by standing in certain areas. And you have to find them by sound. When I first started the game and I was just messing with all of the buttons, I found that first person button. And, like, what and I was like, that? what is this going to be used? <laughs> like, is this just going to be some kind of weird looking at the scenery thing? But no. Uh, there's also moonberries are hidden throughout the world in certain spots. Mm -hmm. And if you find moonberries, those give you the ability to unlock your character's special moves. Mm -hmm. You can also hunt for secret tourist spots scattered throughout the world that the, the guild of sailors mm -hmm. will pay you for discovering, but... And, that's what I was going to say. Go ahead. You're competing. You're actually competing to find those spots. So if you're the first person to discover a new location, then you get they'll paid a pay lot of you money. handsomely for it. But if some other person has already gone out and discovered that, they're they like, be like, oh yeah, oh, yeah okay, here's... Yeah, we, thanks for double-checking. Tin, whatever the money is. Um, so that, that's almost a mini-game in itself, finding all the hidden locations. There's, like we discussed, the evil pirates to hunt down, which scale to your level. At a certain point in the game, you get a fortress, and you can actually recruit crew members mm -hmm. who can then build your fortress, and you get to decide, hey, I want it to have, like, a western theme. I want it to have an eastern theme. I'd like a statue to this person here. Mm -hmm. And they will actually build. You can level up your shops that way. Um, and that comes back around to something Russ has been wanting to talk about for a little bit, recruiting crew members for your ships. These are minor characters yeah, that aren't in your party. minor characters, not in your party. Scattered throughout the world. Mm -hmm. But you get to recruit them as crew members on their ship, and most of them give you different kinds of skills. Like I was saying before, like there's a... I don't remember what their job is, but there's like two different ones, and depending on who you have as a crew member on your ship, you get different drops yeah. from monsters. Or some of them you can summon. They have different battle. skills they can use in combat. Right. Uh, there's and a special move that summons all of your active crew to attack, mm -hmm. and certain ones can heal. Like, it can become a attack and heal and protect. Right. 
Uh, you also hunt for the chams that he mentioned earlier mm -hmm. that evolve cupel because cupel. there's chams and then there's the special chams and then there's chams that let you throw up all the chams you fed it <laughs> right. and try feeding them in a different order. Exactly, get a different weapon and different stats. If you're one of those people who likes completionists and mini games and hunting hidden things, you could just live in this game. Yeah, this is one of the this is one of those games that you could just play forever. Uh, another thing is there's a mini-map in the corner for all the dungeons, and it fills in as you move along, so you can always tell where you've already been, which is just mm -hmm. super helpful for figuring... Because some of these dungeons are very maze-like for a reason, and it's helpful to be like, okay, I've been on this floor, I went in that room and that room. <sighs> lots of Lots of innovation. Alright, uh, I don't know if you can tell how enthusiastic we are yeah, about this game. Yeah, it's a very good game. Um, did you have anything else under innovations? No, I think we pretty much covered it. But I just, I like it. I like the, the realism behind somebody can make this discovery before you, or, you know... Something like that, or the, or the fact that you have the reputation that's not something that you can actively see. I mean, in real life, you don't have a little point bar that shows how popular you are. You don't? Because right. I've been looking at yours, and i got news for there's you. There's probably an app on your phone that does that, but anyway. And now we're in Black Mirror territory. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the music. For our musical selection, we are going back to our good friend Mike in our Pack South hotel room. Take it away, Mike. Let's do it. All right, guys, welcome back. Hi. We are still in San Antonio <laughs> for Pack South. It is the longest Pack South ever. We've been here all month. Yeah. Nonstop fun and excitement. Well, it's a dream. <laughs> a dream. Uh, we are once again uh, joined by my friend Mike. Uh, Mike, again, is a staff writer for VGMO, so he writes about video game music. He's a staff writer. He actually knows what the hell he's talking about, which is why he is here. Uh, and we are here to talk about Skies of Arcadia Legends. Yeah, yeah. So, All right. what have you got? Or Eternal Arcadia, right, as it was uh, originally known in some countries. So, um, so, tell me a little bit about your experience with the game. Um, I know you've already done this segment, but I mean, it was fantastic. It's entered my top ten RPGs of all time. It's the it's the okay. first okay. game that we've done that you had never played. That I have never played before. I have okay. no experience okay. with. Yeah, me. I had so, never played it either. So we both came to it. Russ has played almost everything, but well, we both I, came yeah, to this one fresh, and we both played. we both love it. It's a great game. It's great. It's a travesty that it's not a. There aren't there aren't sequels it's not a series, and remakes and yeah, right at this point. Yeah, I think it's telling that um, among the first comments on YouTube soundtrack, pick whatever one you like. It's just switch when switch switch switch. Yeah, put it on yeah. switch. <laughs> and uh, you know, if Valkyria Chronicles is still alive at this point, uh, I think there's hope for um, <laughs> for Skies of Arcadia. Well, Valkyrie Chronicles at least got sequels. They weren't good, but there were sequels right. and a spinoff, which right. wasn't good. But and it features. Two characters from this guy. Yeah, three, actually. Three? The, three? the medic, who is not a playable character, but the medic oh, right. is Fina. Okay, okay. That, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so my experience with the game is um, one of, of dim but cherished recollection. Um, I haven't played Skies of Arcadia since. Um, it was released on the GameCube, so I played it. Okay, so you also played Legends like we did, which right. is the remake. Right, um, and I played that in my bedroom at an apartment right here in San Antonio uh, my senior year of, <laughs> of college. And um, so I'm just left with this rosy afterglow, but my, my memory of the game is uh, almost non-existent. And so um, as with Dragon Quest, I've come to the soundtrack very much as um, someone who's new, at least new-ish to it. Um, any, any highlights from the score that you want to talk about? Anything that stands out? Before I go into this? Yeah, nothing, because because this was my first time experiencing okay. it, and I'm not the mu a music guy anyway, right. I was paying much more attention to other things, so, I, sure. I mean, I liked the music, you know. 
the music did not seem out of place. No, sorry. Yeah, so, so yeah. That's, that's as much as I can hope It enhanced for. the experience, yeah. but I was um, focused on it. Now, you may be planning on addressing this later, but it's my understanding that the the music is different for Skies of Arcadia Legends versus the original on the Dreamcast. Right. Uh, I think I read that the uh, the remake is mostly like MIDI files. Yeah, yeah. So it's not as rich a sound as the original soundtrack. Right. was a complaint. Um, exactly, and I've, I've seen that complaint um, replicated elsewhere. I think that's that's uh, mentioned in the Hardcore Gaming 101 article about um, Arcadia. And I, so the exact nature of the the um, the shabbiness, shall we say, I don't I don't know exactly where it comes from, but yeah, my understanding is that the Legends version of the soundtrack is, is greatly inferior hmm. to uh, the one on the Dreamcast. And so you can find really nice, high-quality HD rips of this music on YouTube. Um, just make sure that you're you're listening to the Dreamcast version because you're going to get a, a richer um, experience. Um, so uh, this is a sound soundtrack composed by uh, uh, two guys. Uh, one is uh, Yutaka Minobi and um, his co-composer Tatsuyuki Maeda. And uh, these are both um, employees of Sega, subsidiaries within Sega. So uh, Minobi worked with Sega Sonic Team. Um, and then Wavemaster, and he was with the company from 1997 to 2005. Um, and Meta is still with Sega and um, has, has long been serving with the company. I think his uh, first credits appeared in 1992, um, doing sound effect work and sound editing. He made some contributions, um, of which I'm not entirely certain, to games like Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles, um, and continues to work with the company today, but primarily with sound effects and sound editing. Um, and so. It's, it's unusual that these gentlemen got this job because it was a big deal for Sega. This is a time at which, um, as you both know, as your viewers will know, um, Sega's exiting the hardware business. Mm -hmm. And they are uh, kind of scrambling, I imagine, to figure out a way forward for their company. And one of the ways, one of the strategies that, um, that Sega Brass devised was to take a page from Nintendo and to begin developing games in-house. Um, for which, of course, they, they wouldn't have to pay any licensing fees and so forth. They could retain all the uh, IP rights and so forth. So one of their first big projects is uh, Skies of Arcadia. And um, uh, Minobi and Meta get this job despite the fact that they really they don't have much to their credit at that point. Um, um, they'd only made a few contributions to the company. And um, again, Meta primarily in a kind of support role, a sound effect. So they get this very big job. This is There's over two hours of music in Skies of Arcadia. Um, wow. They kind of split those songs between. So from 20 minutes in our last video to two hours of sound, right? It's yeah. quite the evolution of music. Yeah, and so that's of course that's challenging for the the person who's meant to come in and, <laughs> and say yeah. something intelligent about it. Uh, um, I don't know that uh, many of your viewers will want to sit and listen to me ramble uh, for two hours. So I'll just pick selections from the soundtrack that I think are interesting. Um, um, so some other things that are, are worth mentioning here, um, yeah, uh, Maida is, uh, again, I mentioned he's kind of, um, I don't want to diminish his work by saying he's in the support role, but he doesn't, um, even today, he's not composing for games. I think his most recent credit is as an arranger for Sonic Forces. So he's, he's still taking other compositions and then uh, working with them. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, you can kind of hear that here in the score because um, the tracks that are a little more simplistic, a little more um, like tone poems or they're just meant to set the mood, those are, are the tracks that come from Meta primarily. Um, it's, not, it's not to say that he, he doesn't have any melodic compositions to his credit, he does, um, but for example, um, one of the, the songs for which he is responsible, let's play a little selection here. Uh, you can edit this out as I look for things. <laughs> or will I? Or you can... You know, Russ, entertain the audience. Here we go. Okay. Russ, stop entertaining. <laughs> so this is Gal Galcian's theme, if I'm saying that correctly. Galcian? Um, how do you pronounce that? Galcian. Okay, yeah, Galcian. Alright, so this is Galcian's theme. Maybe. But Russ will find out I can't pronounce things.
and you've got that heavy looming thing going. Right. Oppressive. Very Whoa. fitting. The notes are held. This is not um, a track with a complex melody. The arrangement is fairly straightforward. And in general, this is what you're going to hear from Maida throughout this outro. The percussion has kind of a metallic sound in the background, too. Doesn't it? Yeah. So there's kind of a feeling of industry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Um, okay, so let's just contrast that by going to the opening theme. Um, this is composed by Minobi. And unlike most of the other um, selections from the soundtrack, this was recorded with a full orchestra. Alright, this is the opening theme. Sort of has a the the driving sounds a little like Legend of Zelda, just the the driving force behind the music this part. But yeah, if I'm piloting an airship, this is what's playing. Right, right. So I love that you said that. This is a game that is so heavily focused on the theme of exploration. Mm -hmm. This is at least in this game's world, it's kind of an age of exploration. You're in this airship, taking off for adventure unknown. That's right. This is a song that's very much. There's both something. Maybe it's that bright, piercing trumpet. But there's something very much that feels light about it. You feel as if you're <laughs> traveling through the air. <laughs> um, it's bright, it's optimistic, it's forward charging, it, it's, a, it's a theme of exploration, right? And so that's, that's Minobi, and like I say, this is one of four tracks that were recorded using a full orchestra. So, um, Sega obviously thought enough of the game to kind of welcome players to it with this rich orchestral version of some of the movie's music. And then the game ends with full orchestral music mm -hmm. as well. Everything in between there is the less expensive um, synthetic orchestra. So not, not to take away from um, the complexity of the compositions or anything, um, because um, they are often very dense and layered with different voices, but um, they are um, synthetic since they would be played with keyboard in-house, right. thereby keeping the cost down. Um, so, should we listen to something else? Yes. So, this is the Sky Pirate Hideout. Reminding me of the Aelus theme from Chrono Trigger. That sounds a little the, like that. Yeah, the, the prehistoric boogie. Right. I love this, how, how heavily percussive this is, because you have the drum track in the background, of course. Then you've got those kind of. Yeah, almost like a, a xylophone, maybe. Actually, I think it's a marimba. Actually, I was in percussion right. in high school. Oh, I, think, really? okay. I think that's a marimba. Excellent, excellent. Marimbas have a wooden tone and much lower. Okay. So. See, look at you. I you picked up some information yeah. somewhere. So, very nice. This is one of many... Uh, Percussively dominant tracks. Uh, well, sticking with that theme, we could listen to the theme of tension. The story of Russ's life. So it opens with the solo piano. Living with depression is like having a weight on your chest. Yes, it is. <laughs> Very nicely done. And so it's interesting that this opens with again a solo voice, piano, drenched in reverb. Um, you have a little string movement comes in. Um, 
in an interview, Minobi was asked what the strength, his weakness of his, his strength at least, he felt was the acoustic sounds. And so you do have, throughout, you'll have moments like this where the big band arrangements kind of melt away. Uh -huh. But this is, this is what I love about this track. Listen to this. So I don't know about y'all, but this takes me right to Led Zeppelin. These are John Bonham drums, <laughs> and they come in very surprisingly in this theme of Tetris, which I love. Um, all right. So I think in general, what you get um, throughout these uh, throughout the soundtrack is a lot of a lot of orchestral stuff. Um, um, again, a, a lot of um, bright, optimistic, cheerful type exploration mm -hmm. themes, right. um, sometimes blending a kind of traditional orchestral arrangement with um, pop and rock and a Uematsu type combination. Um, but you also get a lot of uh, versatility from these guys. Um, and I think it's worth spotlighting a couple of the compositions that are, are very unusual or very different, give different kinds of textures to the soundtrack. So um, one of the first that I think all players are gonna remember is the uh, the theme from the Kingdom of Nasrad. So, if we start in Western Europe, where are we now? This is more Middle Eastern. Yeah, this right. is you're in a market in Aladdin. Yeah, <laughs> then you're going to buy your flying carpet is what right. I was about to say. That's right. Actually, a little bit of Kingdom of Zeal in there, too, sticking with the Chrono Trigger. That's true. Yeah. Uh, before the flute came in, that's really what it felt like. Yeah, so you have the, it opens with the, the melody played on the flute. And now at this moment in particular, that kind of drops away, and what you get is this sitar mm -hmm. like arrangement. Very unusual, and certainly very different um, from the rest of the music on the soundtrack, and, and very much uh, through the, the kind of borrowing of musical textures from different part of the world meant to take you into a different, a different space. Mm -hmm. Well, to enhance that feeling of exploring and reaching new cultures. And... Yeah, and so if we contrast that, Sailor Town. Now we're doing waltz. And not just any waltz, it's a waltz for accordion. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes it kind of Italian. That's right. Did you want to dance for us? Of course. No, I actually really don't. Look at the rejection. <laughs> Break my heart. Right. Um, so I don't want to overstay my welcome here, but uh, <laughs> I'll um, mention just a couple other things again because I think they stand out so strongly. Um, you're gonna help me pr with pronunciation here. I'm gonna say this is the kingdom of Ishitaka. Uh, if you like that, I X A apostrophe T A. Yeah, I'll take it. Again, just spotlighting some of the. The variety uh, Anobi and Meta bring to the game here. This was one of my favorites. It's definitely a jungle theme, mm, right? Uh, Donkey Kong Country-ish. I don't know how to talk about music. That's all I've got. Man. I love that though because that's. I think that helps us to hear what's so unusual about this because. I think if I, I'm just going to take a guess here, Go what you're picking it. up on is that the drums. Yeah. Very big, tribal type drums, but then contrast that with the melody, the instrument it's being played on, and then throughout here, what we have are these. Where, <laughs> yeah. You have these kind of cattle calls from herders, shepherds, or some kind. So. It's like a cowboy song, but one from the Pampas of South America or something. It's very strange. And then here's our kind of Spanish guitar. 
So, whereas with the uh, Kingdom of Nasrad, that is very much you know, one kind of geographic place. Mm -hmm. This is a song to me that's very hard to pin down. It's 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 blending influences. It's from Western the and Southern. And, yeah, it's very pretty. Yeah. Anything else that you wanted to discuss with Skies of Arcadia? No, I've, I've, I think there's nothing I could add. We've been talking music, <laughs> Russ. Right. Do, do yeah. you realize we've been talking music? That's crazy. I um, will just add as a kind of parting shot, um, just because this this stood out to me so strongly, of having recently played Undertale. Let's see if I can find it here again. Bear with me as I Russ has quite the Undertale that. story that he can share once we stop filming. So th this isn't, um, it's not a dead ringer, but I'm just gonna play it and see if, if you hear what I mean. This is theme of loneliness. Sorry, my life. You had tension, I get lonely. Again, recall that Manobi described his own strength as uh, performing on acoustic tracks like this. So mm -hmm. he seems to prefer those moments where he's left to express what it's a single voice can hear. Yeah, it's very a theme of loneliness. So it's yeah. very melancholy. Yeah, but it's also pretty. It's sadly pretty. But so, like I say, it's not a dead ringer. But I think if you play Snowy from Undertale, you'll see that these are, are two very similar compositions kind of similar effect on the listener. Very cool. Skies of Arcadia. Very nice. There you go. Well, thank you again very much for helping us out and well, giving us absolute pleasure. Deep, deeper so appreciation of the game we played. I was just wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> next time we will wrap. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Next time we will. Really sick freestyle skill. Yeah. We will compose Check an original rap piece. And, uh, you know, the footage may get lost, so you may not see it, but we're going to do it. It's going to be a big. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, sir. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Fist bump. Oh, that's right. We took yeah. consistency. Yeah. 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 All, right. All right. So, uh, we'll see you guys next time. pretty obvious um, by the review that we've just done for this game, but it was horrible. I just hated every minute of it, and I don't think that I will ever play this game ever again. I'm just kidding, obviously. Um, this has, into this game, Skies of Arcadia Legends, um, has become one of my, like, top ten favorite RPGs of all time. Um, I really am just disappointed in myself for not experiencing this game until now, but I'm so glad that I have. Um, it's just, it's, it's just a huge world and great characters that you can get lost in, um, and also a very wonderful battle system that doesn't feel tedious. The, the biggest praise I could give about the game is just the, the, I don't know how I want to say it, like the realism in it, the, the things like your pirate rank, um, and the, the discovery locations, competing for other pirates to find the different discoveries and having this hidden value of a, of a rank and a reputation that you have. It's, it, it all comes together and creates such a rich world and rich characters. Um, it's just a really amazing story to discover, and it's really fun to play along the way. So I give this game an absolute A+. Plus. Um, Yes, absolute A-plus from me um, in the top ten of my favorite RPGs of all time. I completely share in Russ's enthusiasm for this game. Uh, it is a very long game, and I wished it never ended. It was so much fun. I actually was reveling in its length. Uh, Russ and I had to play through a lot of games for this series, and with a lot of them, even ones that I like, there comes this frustration of, come on, I gotta finish this, I got the next one to get to. But this one just took forever, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, I, I also, I love the characters. I, I like the different combat system. I like the different types of combat system. The, the ship battles were so much fun. Uh, fighting on that logical grid, just, they were a blast. Um, 
I absolutely love this game. I am so sad that there's not uh, remakes or sequels or that this is it. Uh, it's kind of frustrating because it's so good. How is there not more of this? Uh, I also absolutely give it an A+. Uh, it's probably on my top 10. I haven't checked. I haven't done, you know, tabulations, but it definitely deserves a slot. Um, awesome game. If you want to play this game at home, sorry, get a Dreamcast <laughs> or get a GameCube, right. because those are the only two ways you can play it, and good luck finding a copy for the GameCube. Um, confession time, you don't even know this. Oh god. So I started out playing an emulated version of this game and loved it so much that I went out and I think luck was on my side, and I didn't even have to go online. I found a copy of it for an amount of money that I'm not going to disclose. Oh, God. But I found it at, I guess, shout-out time, Game Over Video Games. We, we as a show, deeply support yes, Game Over Video Games. Support them. They are fantastic. If there's one near you, you need to go there now. I went to my local Game Over Video Games. They had a copy for Amount of Money that I'm not going to disclose, but I bought it and I replayed the beginning and finished it on my old GameCube. Because that's the only way that you can yeah. play it without a Dolphin or whatever. But I will say this um, now. If you loved the characters so much, you can spend a little bit more time with the characters because Vice, Ika, and Fina show up in Valkyrie Chronicles which was remastered for the PS4. It's a game that I highly recommend. Uh, Russ, it wasn't so, really my cup of tea. Russ isn't a tactical game kind of guy. No. I am. Unless it's Fire Emblem, I don't really want to play that kind of game. Uh, so we're probably never going to pull it, address it on the show, but if you like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics or any games in that wheelhouse, believe me, you will enjoy Valkyrie Chronicles. It's beautiful, and it's by Sega, and they put the Skies of Arcadia characters yeah. in it, which... I played that before I knew them. Now I kind of want to replay it so I can spend time with my friends again. And I do agree that it's beautiful. Valkyrie Chronicles yes. is a beautiful game. Um, but, but that's yeah. not the game we're here to talk about. No, it's not. Um, we're here to talk about an amazing game. And it really is great. I mean, I'm not going to tell you how much money that you should pay for this game. But if you have a chance to buy a copy of that old GameCube original, then do it. <laughs> the old GameCube, GameCube original remake. The original remake, exactly. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, it's fantastic, and, and what's funny is on this day that we're recording this, they had a Nintendo Direct, and now that I've experienced this game, I was only disappointed by the Nintendo Direct because, because they no... didn't announce like an HD port on the Switch. That That's going to be my number one thing for Nintendo now, is HD port on the Switch. I don't... Kind of like with... Even more so than with Great Greed. Why is there not a remake? Why yeah. is there not a spiritual sequel? An actual sequel? This game is amazing. And I have yeah. no idea why it just sits there on the yeah. shelf. Like, I don't know why Sega doesn't do something with this franchise. Why it's not a franchise. Right. It doesn't make sense. So, yeah, we highly recommend it if you're a fan of story-rich and character-rich games that are also fun to play that that have a battle system that is not a slog um in gameplay systems that are not a slog then definitely play skies of arcadia so this was our first gamecube game mm -hmm. our next game will also be a first for us what did you want us to play next oh no i'm incorrect i have skipped a whole game i apologize for that false build-up because next we're playing an you NES really, original. You really had my hopes up there for a I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh. I have the next five years worth of games yeah. mapped out. Uh, no, next we're playing an next NES. Next we're playing a game. Okay. And I'm in the middle of playing it. So it's good. But it's what it is. It's an NES game. But it's the NES game for this series. Which is the original Final Fantasy. So there you go. We are finally, at long last, touching what many of you probably thought should have been the first thing we did. Yeah. Well, we needed to play some obscure things first. Yes. Like Skies of Arcadia. Yeah. 
So join us next time for Final Fantasy 1. Final Fantasy 1. Yay. See you guys then. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on youtube.com slash centaurproductions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. Mike Hughes can be found on Twitter at MobilesWorking. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you. Let's hear it for the boy! Oh god.